0: Oh, we you know I mean we we, we just uh, let's, we, the bears are what we thought they were.
1: What what they're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, please. One more time. One more time. One more time. The Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kinslager Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at KinsLager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to The Bear Essentials. We are
0: Chicago Bears podcast for the fans. On today's show, we break down questions we have ahead of training camp
1: and much, much more. Hey, Doug, what's the good word, famo? Everything is good over here, Perez. How about you? Well, I'm just going to tell you this, man. I'm glad this week is almost over, bro. It's been a busy one. But hey, Friday is on the horizon tomorrow, man. I am so damn happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> <Shit>. Hey,
0: man. <laughs> Who are you telling, man? I'm kind of glad uh, this week was a short week for us because we had
1: Monday off. So... Yeah, can't wait to Friday. It don't feel like one to me, man. Even though we had Monday off, man, I don't know, man. I just feel like, man, my customers, they must have held on to a bunch of stuff Friday last week because I'm talking about I got hit Tuesday, Wednesday. My goodness, bro. But here we are. (laughs) Yes, sir. We made it, man. Glad to hear everything's going good with you, man. Happy to be potting with you today. First order of business, man. I wanted to chop it up with you about A-Rob. You know, last year on the show, we talked a lot about how we felt A-Rob's contract extension and those type of talks and rumors, it got into his head a little bit, and I think it affected some of what he was doing out on the field. But I was happy to hear from A-Rob, A-Dub, that he said, hey, you know, I'm not too worried about the contract extension. I'm just going to let the chips fall the way that they're going to fall. Like, what were your thoughts there? A-Rob has the
0: right mindset going forward. There are some things that's out of his control here. So one thing that he can't control is how he plays on the field, right? Getting his body right, being prepared and trying to get those balls, get those catches, man, that's going to actually help him get paid when the time comes. So all he can do is focus on his current season right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we we already know what we're going to be able to expect from uh, Mr. Robinson. The uncertainty about what's going to happen with his future past 2021, that's a question that only uh, management and also A-Rob's agent can answer. But I'm telling you, one thing's certain. We know A-Rob's going to be a huge contributor in this offense, and I'm just really happy to hear that he's just only focused on being a big part of the offense and having a huge 2021.
0: Absolutely, Prez. And I think you and I believe that he's going to have a big year. That's going to help him be able to make the financial day he's looking for. I hope he has a very good year. He put himself in a very good position
1: to cash in. We don't know who the starting quarterback's going to be or if there's going to be a, a switch from Dalton to Fields, but what we do know is... Whoever the quarterback going to be, we can count on Allen Robinson putting up numbers. I mean, we look at the production he's done in the past with uneven quarterback play. We have a little bit better quarterback play, especially you know when we look at a potential Justin Fields might be implemented into the offense at some point in the season. I feel really good about the offense, and I feel even better about what Allen Robinson is going to be able to produce this year. So just really good to hear that he's focusing on the right things and not letting that contract bog him down.
0: Yeah, that's a good point to bring up, Rich, not letting that contract them down. The fact that, you know, he's not making that a distraction for the team. It's like, hey, we're just going to focus on football. Put him play, play
1: my game, and let the chips fall with him fall. Yeah, because the one thing that I was worried about, A-Dub, was was he going to hold out? You know, so when he came to the mandatory mini camps, I was really happy to hear that. And when he let everybody know at that time, I will be there at training camp. So that was a big sigh of relief for me.
0: Big one for me as well, Perez. It lets us know that we're going to come to a, a very good start with him. So no issues there, no concern from his standpoint. He's just going to take it day by day and play football. So you're right, man. The fact that he's not going to allow this whole contract thing to play out to continue to address the media about it and cause distractions to the team, I think he's going about, again, the right way with how he's handling So I got to give him kudos on that, man, because like we talked about before, Perez, he's handling this like a professional, and you love a guy like that.
1: Yeah, his only focus is on getting better. We saw that he reported to those mandatory mini camps. He looked great. And we saw the work that he and Darnell Mooney were doing in Florida. So everything I've been seeing when it comes to Allen Robinson has been very, very good, man. Yeah, positive vibes we're getting from him, Braz. We're loving it. Well, not so positive vibes uh came from one Matthew Nagy. CBS Sports kind of blew him up a little bit, man. They ranked him in the bottom half of NFL coaches, they <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey, man, I'm not mad at CBS Sports for that reason. Um, I know the past couple of seasons wasn't good for the Bears. You know how that goes? That goes down to looking at the coaching staff. And it starts with Nagy, right? You're not looking so good, they're going to call you out. And I think what they're pretty much saying, hey, Nagy, you you have not looked as impressive as those other coaches who are pretty much ahead of you at this time frame. And I think those coaches who are ahead of them I have no issue with those guys. I mean, they had a very good list ahead of him. And you look at those coaches, like, well, those coaches have done some great things, at least recently at that. And Matt Nagy can say, you know what? Hey, man, these 88-type seasons, uh,
1: two in a row, doesn't look good. Yeah, you know, (laughs) and we just got through talking about CBS Sports last week when they basically ranked David Montgomery, where they ranked him. So in that case, I thought CBS Sports, they was on some bullshit. But in this one, I think they were pretty spot on. One point that I had, though, as I wanted our audience to think about, just think that it was just three years ago that Matt Nagy was uh, the NFL's coach of the year when the Bears were 12-4. and 4. That year felt like it was going to be some Super Bowl type of aspirations. We had that defense that was flying high. The offense was doing just enough to you know kind of get by. But only three short seasons ago, he went from being the darling of the NFL, coach of the year, to CBS Sports is ranking him in the bottom half of NFL coaches. So it's been a real downhill for Matt Nagy, bro. Yeah, man, it's all
0: about what have you done for me lately, right? (laughs) And um, we saw last season, man, how atrocious in the way our offense looked that first half of the season. Mm -hmm. So that played a big part in why they probably looked at him now and said, hey, Nagy, you need to do some things a little bit differently than what you did before because
1: these past couple of seasons with your offense has not looked good. And the the big part about it is his playoff record, Mm. 0-2. And the loss in 2018, that was the one that I think it hurt even more so because that was the season where we all were feeling really good vibes about this team. So a lot of the criticism that gets tossed at Matthew Nagy, man, a lot of it is warranted because as Dub mentioned, that offense has looked like trash and he, he was brought in here to approve the offense. So we've yet to see that. We've seen like flashes, but we haven't seen that over a consistent 16-game basis, right? Also, right. he has to be on the hot seat this season. I don't care about what Pace did by bringing Justin Fields in here, I still think another 8-8 and season is not good enough, a Dub. Prayers on with you.
0: Um, it, it, it's still about that consistency, like you mentioned. And you're right, an 8-8 season's not going to work. Matt Nagy has to look good this year, man. No matter who's starting, Andy Dawn or Justin Fields,
1: those guys are going to have to produce because it falls on Matt Nagy if they don't. It does. And uh, the only other thing that I would say, just make sure that people are listening to this and hearing me out here. Now, I do know, that Mad Nagy has the ability to drop some good plays. He knows how to scheme his players open and things of that nature. My issue with Nagy comes with his lack of adjustments, how he gets stubborn, and how he just wants to do things a certain way. But we do know that he was able to get a pretty decent amount out of Mitch. And so I'm very confident that this season under Dalton, that we'll see improvements in this offense. But where I'm gonna be concerned, AW, when it comes to Matthew is if he is not giving the ball to Montgomery and balancing the offense a bit so it's not so one-dimensional.
0: That's fair criticism there, man, because um, that hurt last season with him not giving Montgomery the ball enough, even starting the offense off with him enough. And I think it showed, right, to where we couldn't really get anything done from a passing game standpoint. And that also falls on that. And the other thing, Perez, the offense looked better when Bill Lazor was calling the plays. So you got two things that's going against you there as well. We didn't give Montgomery the ball enough, and then the offense didn't look better until Bill Lazor was taking over with the offense to call in play. So those two things
1: are some pretty hard hits on me. It also coincides with the fact that Bill Lazor put the ball in David Montgomery's hands. So, you know, and that right. goes that shows a lot. It also Bill Lazor moved Mitch Trubisky outside of the pocket. So there were a lot of things adjustment-wise that Bill Lazor did that Matt Nagy did not do. And so I hope with this collaboration that they talked about all offseason, I hope that that actually is something that we see a little bit more of this upcoming season and not just some stupid fucking buzzword. Because we need to see some collaboration. We need to, f- to make sure that we see that those guys are putting these guys on office in the best positions to succeed. We saw with Nagy time and time out that he didn't do that. Those adjustments
0: that you mentioned, Prez, is huge, is key. And you're right, Matt Nagy did have some holes in his coaching to where he didn't do a great job around that. It looks like going forward, that's what he wants to do. We heard a lot about that doing a lot of his press conference. We are talking about doing those things. But the thing is, we
1: got to see it in action. We really did, man. So we'll see there. CBS Sports, we're not going to camera you guys this time around, but that David Montgomery bullshit you guys had, he's going to make you guys eat those words. This one with Matthew Nagy, I don't have a problem with this one.
0: Right. <laughs> we <We're laughs> the same face, <experience>. right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody that we talked about a few weeks ago, and I've just, I, I've just been watching this situation, A-Dub, very closely. Mayor Lightfoot and the situation between the Chicago Bears versus Arlington Heights, right? So this competition, to my eyes, is still something that we all, as fans, need to be paying attention to. But one thing that I noticed... A dub is uh Mayor Lightfoot. She took her foot off the gas and she put a little respect on the bear's name a little bit. Now she has softened her stance. I thought the response she gave this time from
0: around was better than her first response. I think the first one, you know, was a very emotional one, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. This time from around, she wanted to soften up a bit and be more collaborative in a way. So I'm like, I like what she
1: said this time from around. Yeah, because she just said, "Look, I'm not sure exactly what they want," and but it, that backs up my point that I made originally. A dub, pick up a phone, set up a meeting. Why don't you guys meet face-to-face? If you don't know what they want, then figure it out. Figure out what the problem is because obviously there's a gap in communication here, right? They want something. You don't know what that is. So sit down and let's figure that out together. Be adults.
0: Exactly. And the thing I liked about her this time of prayers is that she spoke not only as the mayor, but she also spoke as, hey, a fan of the team, a 20-year season ticket holder, right? And I know that those individuals who are season ticket holders— who are in the local area, Chicago, will want to see the team stay, right? So you want to speak from that perspective and give an angle on that as well. So I kind of understood her take this time from around, press a whole lot better than I did
1: the last one. Yeah, no, I I understand. And me, too, being a season ticket holder and the fact that I live 20 minutes outside of the city, it would suck if they moved away from the lakefront. But... I would understand if they had to make that decision and I would just have to adjust my commute accordingly. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That's just the way that I see it. But I will say this. It would be different, but I'm sure whatever the, the plans are that they may cook up. And if they do decide to make that move, I'm sure that the fans will get over it and they'll probably get used to it pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, especially if it has some very good perks to it, Prez, than what it has at Soldier Field, right? There's going to be a difference between both. So they, you know how the fans are. We adjust to things that we like, right? If it's better than what it was, we'll be able to see that. If it's worse, of course, you know, the fans will call it out. But the overall thing is to see change around it and it
1: looks better than what it is at Soldier Field, you pretty much will enjoy it. One thing that I wanted to bring up to you and then also to the audience as well, A-Dub, I'm not sure if you recall, but back in 97, Elk Grove Village they were in discussions with the Bears about potentially the Bears moving out there, but this was before the Bears decided to uh, redesign Soldier Field. Not sure if you recall that, but the current mayor of Elk Grove Village, I think he was like in his beginning, like days of his tenure there at the time Mm -hmm. of those negotiations. And he went on record and said that that was one of his biggest mistakes of his career was not closing the deal to bring the Bears to Oak Grove Village. And he'd said to Arlington Heights, You guys need to do whatever it takes to get the Bears to move out there. He said, obviously, you have an opportunity here, and the door is open. He said, you need to kick that door down and make this thing happen.
0: Wow, that is heavy, and that's huge. So pretty much what he puts on Arlington Heights is, hey, don't fumble it. You all got a golden opportunity here.
1: Yep, and he's telling them to think big. He said that that was the mistake that they made. He said they didn't think big enough. And when Hmm. you look at this situation, Arlington Heights – if, and I'm sure that this is something they're probably already looking into, but they should be working with some a team of experts that know how to do these different uh, stadium development projects because on this 300, I think it's like 320-something acres that they have on that Arlington Racetrack property, that's a lot of space for them to do a lot of different things. And I yes. think that there could be a situation, A-Dub, that they can really put together a really nice project that could happen. And it could be something that not only the fans would be appreciative of, but I think it would make the team a lot of fucking money. And that's what it comes down to as well, Perez, that financial. If it does that,
0: that's a plus for them, right? And then you think thinking about the other thing that you and I talked about um, a couple episodes ago was around Riffers Casino and Arlington Park. So now that the Bears have a relationship with them, that also can help bridge that gap. So you never know what might happen, but again, they actually got their foot in the door.
1: Yeah. And let's just think about it honestly here. The place of where that Arlington Park site is, A-Dub, it has pretty good accessibility for people that need to, to get there. So it's near the expressways, and there's a metro stop nearby. So all of these things are very important when you're thinking about that, because those are some of the things that I've talked about with the current stadium at Soldier Field, that there's not a main transit place there. And that walk to the stadium is pretty far, whether it's from the parking lots or whether you park yeah. somewhere in the area and walk over. So it, it takes you a while to get over there to the gates.
0: Having that close access, you know, to the expressways, you know, for us who drive a lot, hey man, that's that's perfect. And then those who actually, you know, ride the trains, they will love it as well. Because you know how it is, even when you stop at 35th to go to White Sox Sparkle. if you stop to uh, go to the Cubs stadium, right, to see them play, you know, at Wrigley, the red line is right there (laughs) to jump on and it's
1: easy access, right? So you appreciate the easy access from transportation. That's always a huge thing. Fair points, brother. So we'll see how it all plays out. But I was very encouraged to see Mayor Lightfoot soften her stance and basically say, look, I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep the Bears in Chicago. So we'll see. Talk is cheap, Mayor. Make it happen. And yeah, she says she's totally supportive of that. So we'll see what happens there, Perez. Like I said, I'm
0: with you, Perez, good way for her to respond back on this year. This has gotten a lot of um, attention,
1: and she came back what he took. But I will say, Perez, a
0: good response.
1: Yep. One piece of information for any of our listeners that are in the Chicagoland area, in case you guys weren't aware, the Chicago Bears opened up a registration for. Ticket availability for anyone that wanted to go to training camp. If you go to the Chicago Bears website, chicagobears.com, there's an open registration where you can let the Bears know what days you would be interested in attending training camp practice. You sign up for a registration and then they do an automated drawing. And any of the recipients that get picked, they're going to let you know the week of July 19th. So go to chicagobears.com for all the information on that. It's going to be a limited amount of uh, seats that are going to be available, but I think it'll be an awesome experience for anybody that may be lucky enough to get a couple of those tickets to see how these guys are doing, some of the progression of the younger players, and so forth. And the Bears are set to report to Hallis Hall on July 27th. The first practice is on July 28th. So definitely make sure you go to ChicagoBears.com to register and to try to get a chance to attend practices. Also, the Bears do Family Fest every year. And so this year is no different. Family Fest is gonna be, I believe it's August 3rd. So also make sure you keep your eyes open on that one. I think it's a Tuesday where they're gonna host fans at Soldier Field. As I mentioned to you guys before, it's a glorified practice for the player standpoint, but it's a good opportunity for families to come out. You get a chance to like seat up and close and personal with the players, autograph opportunities. was so a really good fun time. And not everybody's able to get to an actual game over the course of the season. So sometimes for some people, this is like their only opportunity to get to Soldier Field to see the player. So Family Fest, October 3rd, keep your eyes out and your ears open for any announcements regarding Family Fest. Those who are able to take advantage of that, I will say kudos Mm -hmm. to you, and I hope you're all able to do so. All right, A-Dub. man, let's get into the episode here. So audience, as A-Dub told you guys earlier, we got some burning questions here ahead of training camp. And the first one and the juiciest one, A-Dub, is... Will Eddie Goldman be president of training camp? So we saw that he missed the mandatory mini camps. Matt Nagy seemed very confident that Eddie Goldman would show up for the training camp. But now we're kind of hearing some rumors. One of the Bears' longtime beat reporters came out this week and said, uh, I heard some rumors that Eddie Goldman was kind of thinking about retirement. So, ADO, talk to him. What you thinking about this Eddie Goldman scenario? Prez, it put me in a very unique situation here, man, and
0: thinking about the team overall in this country and his contributions to the team. Can this be a guy that can be replaced if he decides to retire? It hasn't been said that he is going to do that, but the thought process is, what if he doesn't show up, right? Perez and decide to go that route. What does that mean for the team, right? What does that mean for Trevathan? I remember you talked about him last episode, about how Eddie Goldman played a big part, in, you know, disguising, you know, his um, downfalls a little bit. And you wonder, if you lose a guy like that, what that could mean. So, hoping he's able to still play Perez, but I do know if you have your one, if you have one foot at the end, one foot out the door, Perez, you've already retired. So if he's thinking that, Perez, you're already done. You're thinking about retirement. So I hope that's not the case. But if that mindset is there. That's t- kind of what happens, Perez. You can't be in retirement mode, thinking retirement, and still trying to play
1: football at the same time. You're most likely doomed. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Now I will say this, audience: nothing's been finalized on these retirement talks, and we don't even know how true they are, but. Uh, the individual, Brad Biggs, that came out and made this announcement, he's pretty plugged in. And, and a lot of times he he pretty much knows a lot of, of when these scenarios pop up. So we'll see what happens here. But I would say, from my standpoint, Eddie Goldman is not going to be able to opt out the season through the COVID because that deadline has already passed. It was actually a uh, Friday of last week. So Matt Nagy, though, I want to go back to that point because he said in his commentary during mandatory minicamps, that I don't think that it's in doubt. We saw videos where Eddie Goldman was working out, and he looked like he was right. ready, and like he was competing for, for an upcoming season. Right? So Maggie feels that he's confident that he's going to be there. We see that Eddie Goldman's training. So I don't know, A-Dub. I don't know what to think of it. I will say this. If it were me, if I were Benny, man, I fully expect Eddie Goldman to be there at training camp. And I'm going to tell you one thing, and you brought it up what we mentioned on last week's episode. If we get Eddie Goldman back out there on that practice field, man, I'm going to be one of the happiest son of a bitches out here because (laughs) Eddie Goldman is so underrated on this team. And especially on this defense, we talk about it a lot. And he helps out those linebackers and those guys around him. He does all the dirty work. So a guy like that, I hope that they are letting Eddie Goldman know how important he is to this team and whatever the issues or concerns that he may have, hopefully they're getting that stuff figured out now. But I really think in my heart of hearts that Eddie Goldman will report to training camp. I think so,
0: too. I did like what I saw with those videos, pretty much giving us two different perspectives, right? That on one hand, we got those words, and then about retirement. the other hand, we got this guy working out pretty good. So for what I see on the video with him working out, I'm like, yeah, this guy getting ready, getting prepared. So I'm with you, Chris. I think he's going to show up to everything, and uh, everything will be all forgotten from that retirement talk thing.
1: So I really have my hopes of him returning. Now, on the flip side of it, now, if he for some reason does retire, that would lead me to wonder why it is that he didn't have any of these discussions and conversations with the team so then they could have made maybe different moves in free agency in the draft. But we'll see. Maybe this is just all for nothing. But that's something that I would be thinking about if he does decide to make an abrupt decision to retire is, man, why weren't these conversations had ahead of time? So the team could have prep for them for a 50-50 scenario. So we'll see. We'll see, A But that's a really important question that I had. And I really hope that when July 27th comes up, that we hear that Eddie Goldman is one of the first people that arrived the House Hall. I hope so too, Prez. And
0: I want to piggyback on one thing you said about the fact that if he does retire. One thing I would ask Prez is why? What the hell happened between last year or through this timeframe of this year? What happened? What actually transpired to cause that. So he'll have to ask, answer a couple questions for us regarding that. But overall,
1: I'm with you, Perez. I'll be happy to see him show up. Well, I mean, you you never know, man. You see a lot more of these guys in the league, A-Dub, that are retiring young. You know, there's a lot yeah. of uh, concerns over health. A lot of these guys are maybe smart with their money. So maybe Eddie Goldman's putting money to the side. He's thinking about mm-hmm. his long term health. There's a lot that goes into that. That part, we won't know until we actually hear from Eddie himself. But a lot of this is speculation. So I just... right. Maybe, Very happy when we know for sure what's going to happen with Eddie Goldman. We'll just wait and see what happens to that date comes. Our next burning question, audience. We want to know what will happen if Justin Fields outplays Andy Dalton. a dub talk to him. This is a very interesting case here, Perez,
0: because this makes you think about many different things that can go into that reason behind why Fields could possibly play better or worse. You know how this goes, Perez. The first game or so, the first quarter might be you're probably playing against starters. And then through the rest of the game, maybe playing against those guys who are coming off the bench. If Fields was to have a great game against the backups <laughs> of an opposite team, I don't want to look at that and say, oh, wow, this guy outplayed those guys that way. For me, I'm looking at really, you know, a lot of his details of passing, the reads, and all those different things, that's what I'm looking at. I'm not going to go statistically with it because that could be misleading, right, from that standpoint. So I hope that when we do think about those two guys comparing each other, about who has a better game or leading this team, what that looks like, I want to make sure we're able to describe what may have led to it, right? So look at some of these lead measures that leading up to these things versus looking at just the the stats to say, oh, he threw 200 yards, 300 yards, three touchdowns, Well, who was against? What happened there, right? Let's really get down to the nitty-gritty and details of that. If he wants to out show, show him up in, in that
1: preseason press, to me, it wouldn't mean that much at all to me. It's just preseason. A-Dub, hey, I, I hear what you're saying there. Well, for me, I, I think back to a couple things here. The first thing I think about is Matt Nagy's been very, very strong in his fact of saying that Justin Fields is going to be the number two. Andy is going to be his number one. And he's gone on record saying that there will be no competition in camp. So that's the first part of this scenario. But then Mm -hmm. I also have to think about Justin Fields and the way that he's approaching it. And I brought this up on the show last week. While Justin Fields said he understood Matt Nagy's plan for him and he said that he was okay with it. But Justin Fields also made it clear at his first press conference, A-Dub, he said, it's simple. Everyone should be out here looking to win the starting jobs, right? If you're not, then why are you out here? So we already know from his standpoint, He's going to come in here with a chip on his shoulder. He's going to come in here to compete, even if that opportunity isn't afforded to him. So now, to answer that burning question, what happens if Fields outplays Dalton? Honestly, it's the preseason. So you can't put a lot of stock in that. The things that I'm going to be paying attention to, and and A-Dub alluded to these things, are how Justin Fields is performing in practices against that Bears' number one defense, Right. How he looks out there with the quarterback center exchanges, how he's looking, you know, picking up, you know, uh, different blitz coverages, how he looks on the different defensive looks that he gets, how he's progressing through all his various reads. Those are the things that I'm going to want to see. And those are the things that I've continued to talk about on this show. The one advantage that we all know that Andy Dalton has in this situation with Justin Fields is his experience in the NFL and his knowledge of how to dissect and process NFL defenses. That's the piece there that is going to take more than a couple of preseason games for Justin Fields to get the feel of. But we all know from a physical standpoint that Justin Fields versus Andy Dalton, it's a no-brainer. Justin Fields looks the part. I mean, we've seen those guys matched up, standing next to each other. Justin Fields is the real fucking deal. I agree. And so we know at a certain point that Justin Fields will be the guy. I just don't think that it's going to happen to begin the season, but it'll be very encouraging if we see some really positive signs from Justin Fields, meaning throughout the training camp and if he lights it up in those preseason games. That's going to be really encouraging. And I think that's the key word I could use there, Perez. It's, it's going to be encouraging.
0: Do I want to see a change right away because Fields may have had a better, you know, uh, preseason than um, any dog? Probably not yet. You know, I, want to, I don't want to see a change just yet. I'm really with Nagy with sticking with the plan. So I want to make sure it's fair, right, in a way. And I think with Nagy going about this way here I'm already demanding that who the number one is going to be right away versus number two, I'm okay with it. I really am, Perez. So from that standpoint, it feels do great, fantastic. I'm with you, Perez. we We're on the same page. Hey, that's encouraging. But if Andy Dalton starts the season off, it really won't hurt anything for me. We want to give Andy Dalton a fair chance here as well, and I think that's one of the right things to do from a coaching standpoint.
1: Yes. However, if Justin Fields does outperform Dalton at every turn in camp, including the preseason. It's going to put a lot more pressure on Nagy and the rest of that offensive of coaching staff. So I guarantee you that Justin Fields is going to do everything in his power to make this decision extremely tough on this organization.
0: Right. And the other part with what it, is not only going to put pressure on the coaching staff, it's going to put pressure on Andy Dalton. Can he handle the pressure, right, of knowing this kid is right here ready and putting that extra pressure on him? Can he handle that? Now, if you have a couple bad games, Fritz, you already have an idea. You and I do That hey, guess what? Justin Fields may be coming in for you, man. So really, that pressure's out there on, on Andy Dalton as well,
1: and he has to perform right away. So if he slips up, that's it. And that's why Andy Dalton was our number one player that's most under pressure here leading into this 2021 season because he's got all eyes on him right now. We saw the fact that the fan base was not happy about him being acquired when it happened. Right. He has that pressure on him. He's got the pressure now of looking over his shoulder and seeing Justin Fields on that sideline and knowing that the fan base is clamoring to see Justin Fields, that all the questions are going to be about when will we see Justin Fields on the field. So there's so much pressure on this guy. Yes. He's going to have to ball out. <laughs> I hope he balled out because I want the wins. for the
0: most important for me. I want to see our team win. But if he can't do that, man, Justin Fields is going to have to eventually take over that spot to say, look, man, you don't look too sharp. If it's even close for us to him looking as good as Fields, I think we go with Fields, right? Like, hey, you in the same boat with this guy. If he even comes to that point, it's like, hey, man, a decision will have to be made to move forward
1: from Andy Dalton if he starts to slip up. So this is my thing. I don't care about fairness and and, and all that kind of stuff. The best man should get the job. And that's just the way that I see things even in our society. So the fact that they promised Andy Dalton the job, I don't give a fuck about that. What I care about is making sure that we're not rushing and throwing just the Fields out there before he's ready. If he's ready, that's fine. But there has to be a plan to get him ready. You know, we talk about the offensive of line. We talk about all these different other different situations that also have to be taken into consideration. So I just want to make sure all the way around that they have the best support around Justin Fields when that time does come. But to answer this burning question, if Justin Fields outplays Andy Dalton and outperforms him and they decided to start Andy Dalton for the first two, three games of the season, I'm not going to feel away about that. But, I just hope that we're in a situation here that Justin Fields, when they put him out there on the field, he's ready and we're not doing this quarterback carousel bullshit. If this is our guy, then he's going to be our guy. He's going to be our franchise QB1 and we're going to roll. When we put him out there, I just want this to be the moment when he gets that team, as he gets the torch and he is taking this thing and saying, I'm going to lead this team to the promised land. That is what I want for Justin Fields. Exactly,
0: Pres. I'm with you because I don't want him to see him come on the field and then the guy start to struggle, right? And start to look bad. I don't want that part. You're right. I'm with you, Pres. I want him out there when he's ready.
1: Yep. So we'll see. But I, I just thought that was a really good question, just to to pose to the audience. All right, A Dub. The next burning question that we had was, uh, who's going to win this outside corner spot across from Jalen Johnson? We've heard a lot of chatter over the mini camp and the OTA period about some guys that have stepped up. We know that. Um, Trufont was brought in here. He's a veteran. But I kind of feel like we can't just automatically assume that the veteran's going to get this spot. But a talk to him. What you thinking? I, man, Chris, that is a very
0: good question, man. It really is. I'm still going to stick with Trufont. The other guys have made some strides for us, and I'm happy about that. What it tells me is that these other guys are going to get the opportunity to play as well. But I'm thinking that, you know, Trufont has been out there. He's, he's a veteran in the game, Press. I do
1: want to give him an opportunity. My thing is is he going to stay healthy? I think that's the thing when I think of Trufant. So yeah. I, I also agree with you in the sense that I think he may end up edging out Vildor. Now, Vildor was flashing during the minicamp and Nat Nagy shouted him out. Vildor was one of our standout players that we talked about from the off-season program. So I really do think that he's going to push Trufant and challenge him. And this position is wide open. So yes, it is. Right now, when we're looking at it, not only is Vildor a candidate that can push him, but you also got to think about Thomas Graham Jr. Now, let's not forget about the rookie because he's got some really good ball skills, man, and that playmaking ability he showed in college, that's something that we can't overlook. And that's something in this defense that I'm hoping on the decide we see playmakers again within this defense making plays out there. So when I look at this position, I'm like, Vildor, Thomas Graham Jr., those are some guys that may be able to push them, even are already Burns. You don't know. But there's a lot of competition there at their cornerback position. So I think True Font may edge it out, but you just have to wonder if he's going to be able to stay healthy. I think that's going to be the thing with Font. Will he be able yeah. to play a full season? That's a good point there, Perez. Can he
0: play a full season? And with him still playing, how effective will he be while he's, while he's playing, press if he's playing healthy? And that's something we don't know either, because you're right. Kendall Villador, these other guys are on the rise, Prez. I don't think this is over with the competition battle. So because Truth, What may start the season, doesn't mean he's going to keep that job throughout the season. So I can't even give him the, the keys for the whole season, really, until we see what happens. But you're right. These other guys, man, are
1: hungry and they're coming. Well, I don't necessarily think you can give any guy the keys to a season unless it's a Khalil Mack or one of these Andy Jackson or a standout player. I think right. any anybody has the position a position to have their job taken from them. I think in this scenario, though, when we're thinking about this cornerback position, uh, a up I think the biggest thing here is who's going to complement Jalen Johnson well, and who is somebody that's not going to be a liability in coverage. Those are the things that we're going to have to look at because we saw last season that those offenses were attacking Jalen Johnson. They were going after him because they weren't going to challenge Kyle Fuller. And so now this season, I think that Jalen Johnson got stronger from that. He learned the NFL game, and he got stronger from those teams challenging him. I think teams are opposing offenses. They're not going to be challenging Jalen Johnson on this defense. They're going to be going after that opposing corner, and that's why that's going to be so important for us in this 2021 season. These guys are all going to get opportunity in preseason to play, and from that standpoint, who's going to
0: stand out? Who can show us something, right? So you're right. It's not a runaway for True in this whole case here. He even if he might edge it out, but he still got, like you say, Press, still got to look over his shoulder because hey, the
1: competition is still there. Yeah, man. So that'll be something worth watching. I'll definitely be looking forward to seeing how uh, True five performs. But I'm definitely going to be looking forward to seeing how Vildor and some of these younger guys are going to be practicing and doing their piece as well. So I just want to make sure that we brought up some of those names like a Thomas Graham Jr. Don't forget about him, audience, because Great. just because he sat out that 2020 season due to COVID, when he played, if you, if you cut on the film of this guy, he's a ball hawk. And that's something on this defense that I would definitely love to see more of. So we'll see what happens there. The next uh, burning question, A-Dub, was how will Tariq Cohen look coming back from his ACL injury?
0: That is a good question right there, Prez. I'm hoping he looks good, man. I know a lot of people have been coming back from these ACL injuries and looking good in different sports. And um, you just never know, man. It's football, right? And I'm hoping he comes back looking just as good as he was before he left. If that's the case, Prez, that is good for us. But you just don't know how well someone's body will react to coming back like that from that kind of an injury. So we had a wait and see standpoint for this, And I hope he can continue to make some progression there. So he's looking good, man. Looks like an old self. That's good for us. But the only but on the other end of it, Chris, like you mentioned, that question out there, whew,
1: that is something we have to wait and see, man. I really don't know. I'll just say this, A-Dub. I mean, this is now year five for Tariq Cohen. Obviously, coming back from an injury like this is never going to be easy. But you even have to be honest with yourself and think about the fact that even before the injury, Tariq Cohen had a couple seasons where he was it was kind of so-so. I thought he underperformed in certain instances. His best season to me was in 2018 when he had almost 1,200 yards from scrimmage and he was getting the ball out of the backfield. They were using him very effectively. So for me, I saw his production go down, especially the 2019 season. And then, obviously, last year, he tore the ACL after the third week of the season. So we don't know what he's going to be able to do after coming back from his injury. But what I do know is the offense missed him last season. Tariq Cohen brings a dimension to this offense that I think is so underappreciated, and it was undervalued by a lot of the fan base, and we saw how that was missed last season. So I think having him returning out there with David Montgomery obviously being our clear workhorse number one back, I think this is going to be a really formidable duo uh, where you'll have Tariq Cohen maybe sometimes lining up in the slot or sometimes they may line up Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery in the backfield together. I think, though, these guys complement each other very well. And I really hope that Matt Nagy utilizes Tariq Cohen in smart ways, because I think that's really going to be the key to Tariq Cohen coming back strong from this injury is Matt Nagy and that offense putting Tariq Cohen in positions where he could do Tariq Cohen things.
0: Yeah, man. And, and the thing is, Perez, I hope he's able to come back, but there's a lot of competition in our running backs, running back position. You got Khalil Herbert, you know, there, you got Damian Williams. You, you also, of course, you got Dave Montgomery. We got a lot of guys, man. So our backfield is pretty solid and full. Cool. So how much opportunity is Tariq Cohen's going to get, you know, with all this? And that's
1: the other case right there. Well, but that's why I mentioned that they line them up in the slot. So I think to your point, yeah, the depth is their running back. But yep. when I look at Tariq Cohen, I look at him more as a utility player. So I don't just view Tariq Cohen strictly as a running back. I think Tariq Cohen has so much value because, yeah, he can get some carries out of the backfield as a running back, but I think you could put him in a slot and line him up as a receiver. I think, obviously, the special teams' yep. capabilities with a Tariq Cohen. So when I look at him, I'm not just looking at him in just that one position. I'm looking at him overall, all the different ways that he could be utilized. He's a Swiss Army Knife. And I think that's going to be the thing of how we're going to be able to utilize him more. Because you got a guy like that who's a dual threat with that type of speed and playmaking ability. Oh, man, Matt Nagy, you have to be drawing up plays. Right now, as we speak on this podcast, I hope Matt Nagy is somewhere cooking up a special Tariq Cohen package of plays for the season. I really hope that's what he's doing. Yeah, I hope so, too, man. And the thing is, I hope he's healthy enough, right? He
0: can still show the, the explosiveness that he showed in the past, right, Perez? If he can still do that, that's great, man. I think that what it all boils down to, Perez, is he the same Tariq Cohen? Is he the same guy? Because we already know about, about the other kid we have, Dash Newsom. He's very good. He can do some of the things that Tariq Cohen was able to do. Uh, I'm not saying better, but the thing is, he was able to do some of those things in college. So you look at all these different uh, dynamics, right, that the Bears have and what they
1: can use. I think that's a fair point. I I do want to just say, though, when we're talking about a Daz Newsome versus Tariq Cohen, I'm just saying Tariq Cohen, from my standpoint, has a lot of value with basically the fact that he can play multiple positions. Whereas with Daz Newsome, I just look at him strictly as as a guy that's going to line up in the slot, and he does have some special teams ability, but I don't see him coming out of the backfield lining up back there. Oh, definitely not. Like Tariq Cohen, there's just so many ways that you can interchange him. And I think it also it, it it really determines the different personnel packages that the Bears use because if they go twenty one personnel, that's going to give them a lot of opportunities for Tariq Cohen to make some plays. And also if they go eleven, then that also gives them some opportunities out there to to get a little bit more open space. So I'm really really looking forward to seeing what Matt Nagy has cooked up for for him this current season. I already know that David Montgomery is going to be having a big-time season. It sounds like they're going to finally utilize him in the offense the way that they should have last year, the whole season. But a guy like Tariq Cohen, I think, is going to be really key, and I think that he's going to have a really big season uh, here in 2021, especially with the fact that now we have more consistent quarterback play. A lot of these issues that we talk, talked about in the past with maybe Cohen being inconsistent. A lot of that did have to do with the way that Nagy was utilizing him, but I also think that the inconsistent quarterback play didn't do some of these I, guys' favors as well. Yeah, I agree with you, Prez.
0: I think he's going to have a good season as well. I just hope that he, his body can sustain all that, right? Because when you have an injury, you know, once you start having them, sometimes it's like, man, it, they can continue. So I'm not hoping the guy get hurt. You know, I want to see him play well. I want to see him on that field. I hope he looks exactly how he did in the past. If he does, man, and shows that capability, I really will encourage, and I will hope Nagy insert him into the offense a lot more. Because you make a good point, Perez. We have a better quarterback play down. That's huge. So we got two quarterbacks who can get you the ball. That means more opportunities for us, more place to be extended, and more opportunities for guys like Tariq Cohen.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's a fair point. The other thing, too, to think about with this situation is, yeah, coming back from an ACL injury, sometimes the guys, you know, may not bounce back as quickly. But I guess we'll see what we see um, in training camp. We'll see how he's moving around out there on the field. And I will say that modern science has definitely advanced a lot more with these guys coming back from these injuries pretty quickly. So, yes, sir. I really, really look forward to seeing what he does. And honestly, when I think about him on punt return, I wouldn't be upset if they decided to go with one of the younger options at punt return and maybe utilize Tariq Cohen back there only in like need-to-have moments, like if it's a high-pressure situation where you need a big play. But I would really hope that we maybe limit him in that role and utilize him more in the offense because you brought up Daz Newsome's name earlier. That's a guy, if he comes back healthy from the collarbone, Throw him back there at punt return to see how he does. There's so many guys that they brought on this team that I think could be really good weapons in the return game. Yeah, and the good
0: point you made, Perez, that you and I definitely put your line on is that I don't want to overwork Tariq Cohen, right? Let's just get, like you said, let's let him work on the offense and see if he's able to bring us. But give him too much of workload can also be a detriment as well. So work him in, ease him in, what we got to do to make sure we get the best out of him.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, just when I think of special teams, it's just more likelihood that he could get injured because that's where he tore the ACL yep. last year was on the punt return. So that's just one of those things that if we can limit that type of uh, situation, I think um, all the better. But I think that burning question is one that a lot of fans will probably have. So we'll see how Nagy draws it up this year. But Tariq Cohen, I'm expecting a big season out of you, brother. Let's get it. Welcome back. Yes, sir. All right, man, the last question here before we get out of here, A-Dub, is... Who will be the odd man out in the wide receiver room? Talk to him. Press, <laughs> this wide receiver group, man, is very
0: solid. <laughs> it really is. Let's be 100, man. You got your boy, you know, got my boy here. You got your boy A-Rob. You got my boy Money Moon here who's leading the way. You got some guys we done brought on board. And then you have other guys like Riley, Ridley, who just might be the odd man out again, Press. You didn't get a lot of time frame last season. And I don't expect that to happen again this
1: season, man. I don't
0: expect him to get a lot of time this season. So he might be one of those guys who are probably, ah,
1: man, out. So obviously, we talked about it a lot uh, during this offseason. Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney are your clear-cut one and two. You got Anthony Miller at the moment probably as your slot. You got Daz Newsome there that's right there on his his bumper. But then we have Marquise Goodwin and Demir Bird. Now, these are two guys that have come in here during the offseason and made a pretty good name for themselves. So these two are going to definitely push some guys on the back end of that wide receiver roster. So we talked about in the past, Javon Williams, Riley Ridley. So when I think about those two names, I think about, man, will both of them go? Will one of them stay? Then I think about my standpoint on last season, which of the two guys that I felt had more potential. So when I look at it, I feel like Riley Ridley is still somebody that I want the organization to give a chance to. Riley Ridley was drafted in the fourth round. He came out of Georgia as a winning program. Riley Ridley is a great route runner, right? He showed you in the bits of times where they put him out there that he has the ability. But for some reason, whatever that may be, and only Matthew Nagy can tell us what the hell is going on and why this kid doesn't play more. But when he does get opportunities, you do see that Riley Ridley does make some things happen. He actually flashes and makes plays. Now with Javon Williams, I'm not retracing the nonsense that he did against the Saints. It was an ass- asshole play, asshole move. And he still hasn't been someone that's been involved in the offense much. His playing time and reps is pretty much hit or miss. So when I look at it and when I think it's all said and done, I think Javon Williams would be the one that's going to be the odd man out. And I'm really thinking that they may end up keeping Riley Ridley and giving him one last shot here with the Bears.
0: I'll be okay with that with Riley Ridley really getting the opportunity Devon Williams, he can go. I'm not going to rehash all the issues with him last season. But the thing is, I didn't like his play. I really did not like, you know, what he brought to the field at times, friends. And um, even missing, missing that big catch really still hurt, stings me a little bit. But <laughs> for me, he could be the one to got us out, man. But for some reason, when it comes down to Nagy and Ridley, it's like it's like something about really that Nagy may not like because that kid to me can play, press, but he's just underutilized. He doesn't get utilized with this team, and maybe he could go somewhere else and contribute, right? But the point is, with this team, he doesn't seem to be a fan. Well, Matt Knight not a fan for his at this point. And you can see that with his opportunities, Perez, how little time frames he gets a chance to play. But when he does, like you said, Perez, he shows us a lot when he plays. But the point is, he doesn't get those opportunities enough.
1: No, he didn't. Now, I will say this. To play devil's advocate for any of our listeners that have any sort of commentary on why Riley Ridley really hasn't played a lot. Now, one thing about Riley Ridley that we know is his transition from college to the NFL was not a smooth one. So there was a lot that he had to learn, and he had an issue with picking up and learning the playbook. So you never know if that may have had some pieces to do with things over time. Now, I'm hoping that he's cleaned that up. I hope that he's become a student of the game. I hope he maybe he'll sat down and figured out what the hell Darnell Mooney did to get up to speed as quickly as he did without having a training camp. And that's just me saying, Riley Really, if the the playbook is something that you're struggling with and that's still an issue, I think you need to be sitting down and hammering that thing out with somebody to help your ass alone. The the point that I had on Javon Wims, and it also could kind of indirectly, you know, hit uh, uh, Riley Ridley a little bit too. Wims' size is one of his biggest strengths. But when you look at what Pace has done with his wide receiver room, they've built this thing around speed. So I wonder if both of these guys could be the odd men out, because with yeah. Javon Williams, his biggest strength is overpowering cornerbacks and making those type of jump ball type of catches. But this offense now is all about speed and guys being able to make plays after the catch, right? These two receivers aren't those type of guys. These guys are both possession receivers, you know, and so when you look at that, maybe Matt Nagy has different plans and ideas for this offense. So I guess we'll see how things shape up this summer. Yeah, press make a good point because I'll
0: tell you, man, I, I'm liking good <laughs> and um and Berg, you know these these vets, man, they coming, man. You're right. Those two guys you mentioned, you know, Whims and and Ridley, they got a tough task ahead of them, man. And I hope they can show us something to where they can stay or make someone else you can put someone else out the door. But it's gonna be a hard feat for them, man, to try to do that. It's gonna be tough.
1: Yeah. So my prediction, a dub, is Whims gets cut. And maybe Riley really somehow makes it onto the practice squad. Uh, hopefully another team doesn't snatch him up. But I think that's kind of what I'm thinking right now, if if I'm looking at this wide receiver room. So I think the both of those guys probably won't make the 53, but I think the Whims will end up getting cut. Riley really to the practice squad, if, uh, if for some reason he could clear waivers.
0: That might make sense. But when I'm going to go with this press, I think they're both going to get cut. I want to stick with that. I think they're both going to get
1: cut. There you go. Well, we'll see what happens there. Before we get out of here, man, I wanted to talk to our listeners one more time about the upcoming Justin Fields jersey giveaway. We're going to be launching that here this week. That's going to be a part of our Chicago State of Mind podcast that we're going to co-sponsor here on DBE. So fans, listeners, stay tuned for details on that. And also, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing a contest for tickets for the first preseason game. The Bears are going to be playing the Miami Dolphins. Again, another contest for you guys to be keeping your eyes out on. Yes, sir. All right, man. Dub another dope ass episode, brother, and we are out. Going to sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Barry Senses podcast. You can find this show on Apple
0: Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. We appreciate your continued support of our podcast, Barry's Nation. Come down with us.